Hey, Hyperion! We squatters were a little out of it when we were under the Overmind's control. So could you clue me on on who this chick is? Well, you see, it's not really a woman, but a unified mind of telepaths from the Defender's world who... Who... Ah, forget it! <laughs> my name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 27th episode of Stranger by the Dozen. The weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? It is going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, at strangerbythe12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give the show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. All right, Drew, it's been a little while since you've been on the show. Just thought we'd recap things a little bit. We're rolling with the Defenders pretty much entirely this episode. Rad, let's do it. Yeah, it's exciting Defenders action. So just to sort of recap for people who these Defenders are, right? <laughs> There's our boy, Doctor Strange. He's master of the mystic arts. He's got a, he shoots beams. He's got a red cloak that lets him fly around. It's awesome. Then there's uh, Valkyrie, who we've just finished a long series of things where finally Valkyrie's had her Valkyrie spirit returned to her original body. So she's also Broomhild, leader of the Valkyries, called daughter by Odin himself. Big changes for Valkyrie, for the most part, just that her uh, previous like mystic ban or inability to fight other women has been lifted. She can punch a lady now and not have a problem with it. Awesome. Yeah, along with her is um, Hellcat, who is Patsy Walker, former child star and uh, girl comic featured player, who's now sort of an acrobatic cat-themed uh, superhero. There's Son of Satan, who is, you know, the Son of Satan. He's got a, got a, a mystical pitchfork and uh, healing powers for some reason. So what's this guy, dude's deal? I don't understand. Basically, it's what it says on the tin, honestly. I, Satan's, I don't, I, I, I don't, Satan's I don't. son, and from that, things happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure what's going on with that. I don't worry about it too much. And uh, then there's Gargoyle, who is an old guy who sold his soul to a demon and now is like a big orange monster kind of guy. Is that dude still sad? I know it's no, been he's. Still, it's been a few episodes since I've been on the show, but is he, is he still sad? No, he's picked up a little bit, I think. Okay, that's good. And um, I'd say probably the biggest thing to know is is how we ended um, a Defenders episode a little while ago where Devil Slayer, the uh, former mob hitman turned Blue Oyster cult-inspired cult assassin <laughs> turned superhero, was feeling super bummed because he'd been taking care of this uh, junkie named Sunshine who was then killed... When this uh, magic-using guy who Devil Slayers, whose family had been killed by Devil Slayer back when Devil Slayer was a mafia assassin, he kind of got revenge by saying he was going to kill Devil Slayer's wife, but instead he killed this junkie instead who had been transmogrified into looking like Devil Slayer's wife. Uh-huh. Yeah, so <laughs> after, the, after those events, um, Devil Slayer took the body of the junkie, guy named Sunshine, and sort of disappeared with the body and 
that's where we pick things back up, essentially. Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> These are all the events of, I think, like, Defenders 105, I want to say. Oh, wait, no, there's a... Hold on. Yeah, Defenders 104. That's right. Man, a lot of stuff happens when the guy's out with a cold. Yeah, I mean, you you know, there's a there's an episode in between here where we went to Asgard and uh, both Nighthawk and... Both Nighthawk and Valkyrie died, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but Valkyrie came back to life, and that's how she recovered her, her Viking body. And then we ended Defenders 109 with Nighthawk coming back, like sort of having been dead. And then he came back and like, hey, I'm back alive. He has a sweet new costume, and that's all we saw. So this is one of those swerve-like uh, next issues, where instead of telling us the big deal about Nighthawk being back alive, instead... We're following up with Devil Slayer. <laughs> and it's like, who are these guys? Who cares? Sure, okay, yeah. Well, let's get going with it, okay? Sounds great. Yeah, Defenders 110 from August 1982. Hunger. J.M. Damateus, scripter. Don Perlin, layouts. Mike Esposito, finisher. Shelley Lefferman, letterer. George Russo's colorist. Alan Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So we start this comic floating around the neg- the negative zone, which is where he sort of travels to with his magic devil cloak, I guess, sort of with the corpse of Sunshine. Dang. Um, he's racked by guilt and self-pity and sort of thinks back on his life and how um, he sort of had lost a lot of... Um, he sort of lost a lot of his direction and started drinking and then became a hitman for the mob and then whatever. It's sort of always like trying to find himself and stuff as he does this as he's like like i'm here in this like negative zone to die and i'm all depressed and stuff the spirit of sunshine sits up out of his body (laughs) and is like hey man like be cool you know (laughs) and sort of says like we got to get out of here let's go someplace else and um discuss things or something they travel through dimensions they like go to a bar and uh demon and and devil slayer orders two drinks even though sunshine's pretty obviously an invisible ghost possibly caused by uh devil slayer's own madness that's that's what my money's on really Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of weird stuff where like so devil slayer uses like magic to appear to not be in a sort of tick-based costume you know (laughs) (laughs) and so he keeps like having to mind whammy people so that they don't see him wearing in, in a superhero costume. But then that mind whammying keeps kind of wearing off because of all of the like, cause he's drinking and he's depressed and things are really weird and you know, stuff like that. And he's talking to his dead friend. I mean, yeah, not even a good, not even like a, a, a high quality mind whammy can keep you from looking weird when you're just talking to a dead guy, you know? So, eventually, and so, okay, we, there's a problem with the scan of one of these comics, where <laughs> one of the pages is backwards, which, the page is backwards, and it's a page where um, Devil Slayer sort of drops his mind whammy and teleports, but then the teleportation sort of takes him through a bunch of alternate reality stuff, and because the page is backwards, it makes it, like, twice as trippy and, like, hard to understand re- uh, realistically, but that's just a misprint in the uh, digital copies of these comics that we had, uh, Drew. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> as um, 
as Devil Slayer teleports to parts unknown, it's a good time to... There's an interlude, and that interlude is a great time to talk about some other recent Defenders events and to get to know this character who's going to be a big deal with some long-term unanswered Avengers quest or Defenders questions. All right, lay it on me. Okay, so we cut to the um, to the office of Kyle Richmond's Galdern lawyer, who we can never get away from. More of this? Nope. I thought we were done with this. What's going on? Okay, so Kyle Richmond died. He dead. He's dead. He died while helping to destroy a uh, rogue government facility where they had put together like about six super powerful psychics. And they were going to use those super powerful psychics to, to kill every man, woman, and child in the USSR. Uh, that seems a bit extreme, but okay, go on. Yeah, one of the psychics was an old was a uh, new girlfriend of Kyle Richmond that he met in physical therapy for his being paralyzed. Ironically, he's the one who paralyzed her many years before when he was sort of just a rich Bruce Wayne style playboy before he became both a rich Bruce Wayne style playboy. And and a Batman type superhero. I'm just gonna go. Can I throw in a no snap here because it feels appropriate? Always, <laughs> always oh, snap. You know, even in death, I'm willing to drop these sick burns on Kyle Richmond. <laughs> 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 but so he fell in love with this girl who he had uh, paralyzed earlier. They kind of did whatever. She turned out to be a powerful psychic. Now we found out that she's a powerful psychic, but was part of a government organization that was going to kill everyone in Russia. The superheroes were like, hey, we don't like those commies, but uh, genocide is sort of a little harsh, don't you think? And <laughs> it culminated in the facility being completely destroyed um, and Nighthawk uh, sacrificing his life to make sure that the base's self-destruct went off. All supervillain bases have to have a self-destruct switch. That's, that's government code. You know, it's OSHA's fault. Yeah, man, that's that's a weird OSHA code that doesn't really come up all that often, but when it does... In my experience, it comes up all the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the aftermath of that, one of the escaping guards shot Valkyrie in the back. That's how Valkyrie died. But she came back. Nighthawk has also just come back at the end of the last issue. But so basically... So, anyhow, back to this one. We're in this interlude. There's this lady who's been... Who's Kyle Richmond's nurse when he was paralyzed. She's like finding out the news that he's dead and that S.H.I.E.L.D. has classified the information about why he died. And she's like, doesn't accept it and she's not going to rest until she finds out the truth. And that's it. It's a small little interlude. It's going to be very important as these comics go on in a Boy, way. That's, that's going to be real awkward when, you know, Kyle Richmond comes back. He's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm still alive. These people have to deal with it, you know? Yeah, okay. Meanwhile, um... Devil Slayer is sort of wandering the streets, uh, drinking, and man, he is in rough shape. He, like, started drinking a little bit, now he's drinking a ton. His clothes are just a wild mass of superhero costume and uh, rags, and he's got the five o'clock shadow inside a superhero cape, which is a bad look, like, 80% of the time. If you aren't Wolverine, you gotta shave if you're gonna wear a superhero costume. That's what I get, yeah. that, that's what I say. Yeah, uh, he's kind of in a bad way, like yeah. a real bad way. To the extent that now, instead of calling his exes, he teleports to the home of the mob boss he used to work for when he was a uh, mafia hitman. Um, it's a pretty sweet uh, mob boss infiltration. He f 
fights like four dogs with a mace, which is pretty ridiculous. And then, as he's as he infiltrates, um, he finally confronts the mob boss Carlo Bocino, or uh, yeah, Bocchia, and says like, "Ah, you made me a killer." And the guy responds like, "Ah, you made yourself a killer. You're terrible. Like, you know, I didn't do nothing that you weren't doing yourself already." Uh, Devil Slayer's about to kill the uh, mob boss and sees that he's, like, basically interrupted Christmas dinner at the mob boss house. Dude, like, this guy, like, punches uh, Devil Slayer right upside the head. It's great. Yeah. Like, you came crawling for work. I paid you well. This is my thanks. You were a killer. I gave you purpose. And now you're going to kill me in front of my wife and grandchildren? Get out of here. And Devil Slayer's like, ah, you're right. I gotta go. Get out of here, you bum. You're nothing but a bum and you always be a bum. Exactly. That's what I say to almost everybody who comes in my house. <laughs> Devil Slayer teleports away, and we have our second interlude of the issue, which is just presidential motorcade, normal stuff, presidential limo door opens, who's inside? President Kyle Richmond, a.k.a. Nighthawk? Bum, bum, bum. To be continued... Continued. Most unrealistic thing about this is a redheaded president. We've never had one of those. Anyhow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, we cut to uh, suburban Illinois, Illinois, where some guy and his kid are mowing the lawn and stuff. Devil Slayer shows up in street clothes, and the man of the house is like, Hey, Eric, which is Devil Slayer's real name. Eric, it's you. Like, you're doing okay. Like, you got to come and have dinner with my nice suburban family, even though you kind of are clean-shaven and smell like booze. <laughs> He's super gracious to a, to a Devil Slayer here, and Devil Slayer repays that generosity by running out in the middle of dinner and just being like, I can't be here, I gotta go. Uh, I mean, that's that's how I repay people's kindness. Mm. Uh, Brian, who's his buddy, gives chase, but Devil Slayer's warped away to negative space again. Oh, he's going to hang out with his dead friend again. Yeah, he talks to Sunshine a little bit, ends up teleporting to uh, Jerusalem, and eventually wandering the streets, uh, passes out and wakes up in the room of his wife, Corey, who will remember um, was in Jerusalem during, you know, the last big Defenders Adventure you were here for, Drew, where she, like, fell in with, like, a faith healer and stuff. And when the Defenders fought devils, and it was real rough. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I remember that. And um, so she sort of finds him as nursing back to health a little bit. She's trying to be nice, but then... He's like, ah, but you went with that false messiah guy. He smacks her, which is not cool in the nope. least. Um, this is That is not cool. Never mm -hmm. do that. But in the end, he sort of ends up like saying that he doesn't know what to do. She calls on him to like pray and believe in things and you know try to ask for repentance and stuff. He has a lot of trouble with it like, crying. He shouts no, and his face gets real weird in some way. Um, <laughs> he momentarily teleports the two of them to the negative dimension where they almost die, and then they teleport back. Devils, in the end, Devil Slayer takes Corey's knees, the two of them fall and fall. He, t he takes Corey's hands, and the two of them fall on their knees with him crying, saying, please help me. Help me believe. This episode ends with Doctor Strange. Hey, that guy. <laughs> Receiving, oh, hey, that guy. receiving a handwritten note from Corey saying that they've returned to the U.S. Devil, uh, Devil Slayer has turned himself into the authorities 
uh, for the crimes he, was, he committed, you know, both as a mafia hitman and as a uh, cult killer guy. And he's now in jail, and she plans to... She's moved nearby to support him spiritually. And, like, it's a bummer. That's like, she believes, yeah, she believes with time and faith, Eric Simon Payne, the Devil Slayer, will become a new man. And so then the, the comic ends with a happy ending, right? I mean, it ends with this sort of, like, the Devil Slayer, who's this flawed kind of guy, seeking redemption for the, frankly, pretty bad stuff he's done over his life. Doctor Strange reads the letter and cries a single tear, and that's sort of the end of the comic. It's bittersweet, you know? Man. But I think an interesting way to go for a bunch of, like, you know, primary color superheroes, you know? Yeah, no, no kidding. It's a bummer. Hey, let's go to brighter stuff. Slightly yeah. brighter stuff. To yeah. uh, Defenders 111 from September 1982. Uh, Fathers and Daughters. A dramatic turning point in the life of the Hellcat. Brought to you by J.M. DeMatteis writer Don Pearl and Breakdowns. A. Mushininsky finishes... Shelley, Shelley Lepperman letters, George Russo's colorist, Al Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So this is another kind of like, like that was a pretty low action issue, I'd say, Drew. Like yeah, the only, yeah. The only fight was when he, fight, when he fought those dogs, right? Yeah. It's definitely like wrapping up a bunch of storylines for reasons I will probably understand eventually. Yeah. This one's a kind of a similar one. I think you remember during the Son of Satan stuff, uh, Satan made a big deal about um, him being Hellcat's father as well. Yeah. And yeah. so... And, and I, had, I had comments about that, you know, kind of being weird that... Uh, was it Satanish that was, like, really... Satanish? Yeah. No. Satana, that was a lady who was also the daughter of the devil. I'm thinking, like, some other... Like some son of the devil being like really attracted to the daughter of the devil and like things. Oh, like uh, son of Satan. That's the one. Yeah, son of Satan was really into her, and then um, had his hopes dashed because he ended up being her half sister. And I mentioned how that was also the uh, climax of the Keanu Reeves movies, The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, I remember that being extremely weird. <laughs> yeah. So. After the events of that in, in last uh, episode's uh, issues, Patsy Walker's, like, longtime, like, neighbor and friend, uh, Dolly, who's kind of an older lady, was like, hey, like, the devil lies all the time. Like, maybe you shouldn't uh, take his claims of being your father, like, directly. Like, maybe you should try to kind of uh, verify that a little bit. And she kind of headed out to go to her hometown and, or to her father's hometown and figure that out for herself. And that's what we're seeing this issue. The hard part about this issue, and actually about the end of last issue, is that it heavily uses like cursive font of people like writing letters or writing their diaries and stuff. Right. And like, man, you know, I haven't had to write cursive in elementary school. I can do it. I can read it in theory, but I read so much slower than <laughs> actual writing. So I, I ended, up, ended up kind of skipping it, kind of reading it, whatever. But the long and the short of it is... Patsy Walker's heading to Greentown, Ohio, in search of her father, Josh Walker. Along the way, she meets a couple people. She meets uh, this dude, Eddie, Feld Eddie Felder, who worked with Josh for a long... You know, who's a friend of her father's, basically. Um, you know, he kind of tells, tells her that like he was a good guy. He kind of disappeared without saying for some reason, which seems to be one way or the other in terms of her father being Satan, you know? 
then as Patsy walks through the town, she bumps into a man named Nicholas Eblis, who, um, just from a vaudeville perspective, is clearly the devil. <laughs> like, no, he he definitely looks like the devil with his with his bowler hat and his um, uh, waxed mustache. Like, if you were gonna have somebody who's gonna like sell you some kind of tincture as a con man or something, lead the ingenue into a dark direction. This is the guy you cast. Clearly, it's it's this man right here. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell if Nicholas Elvis or Eblis is a uh, anagram or not. That's my big question. Because Nicholas is spelled really weird, actually. Yeah. Maybe someone yeah. who's listening can, can can give us a hint. It spells Nicholas is spelled um, like N I C H O L I S, which is a weird spelling of Nicholas, and then E B L I S. I don't know. It's very close I- to kind of devil or something like that. I mean, I I punched it in, and like the first thing that's really hopping out at me is uh, basic Hellions. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. An- okay. So anagrams, kids. They're fun times. Something. So, <laughs> Eblis is apparently an innkeeper, and um, is like, hey, like, why don't you come stay at my hotel? It's just across town. She's like, lead the way. Devil. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, hey, interlude. Yeah. <laughs> we meet up with. Doctor, with our buddies, Doctor Strange, the Hulk, and Namor, as they um, talk to the newly reborn Nightwing in a sweet new costume, and he in turn leads them deep in a facility in this underground facility therein to the prone body of Hyperion. Oh snap! Who will remember having fought a couple times as a member of the Squadron Sinister, which Nighthawk was previously a part of as well. Anyhow, it's it's nighttime. Uh, Patsy Walker puts on her Hellcat costume, swings around with her sweet auto grappling hook, and as she does, she re-enters the front door of the uh, boarding house that she's staying in that Eblis owns. Things get really crazy and wonky. She passes out. And when she comes to, Nicholas takes off his hat. Oh, it's the devil. Bunch of demons. Whatever. <laughs> it's super clear. I mean, Okay. Kind of saw this coming from a mile away. Yeah, they fight for a little bit, uh, during which time Hellcat takes on her uh, hellish Hellcat form, is what I'm calling it. But eventually, she relents and um, says, "Like, hey, I'm not actually a devil. Like, you're just, you know, you can't trick me into going down that route." And Satan's like, "Yeah, okay, you're right. Um, you proved your worth, and because of that, I'm going to give you an explanation." Wait, what? Yeah, it's going to just kind of say what's going on. So yeah, so Satan offers Hellcat an explanation of what's been going on. And then he commits the greatest sin of all, a uh, four-page-long monologue about the nature of the devil. Yeah. Oh my god, it's terrible. Oh wow, okay. I just want to point out during this whole monologue that they they get on... Uh, it is a... Yeah, it's a, it's a Hell merry-go-round. We, we saw that during the previous thing. Right. I just I just wanted to remark upon it again. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So Satan does a similar thing actually to what he did when he when he was talking to Son of Satan in previous episodes. He once again sort of explains how all the different um, Satans that we've seen so far in the Marvel universe, despite being able to appear separately, are all what different faces of the same uh, central Satan. This will all be. This itself will all be retconned later for all these guys being Mephisto when 
in sort of the eighties, they decide that they don't want Satan, a literal, a literal character named Satan to be part of the Marvel universe. Um, I mean, they say that then, but you know, I mean, that's just what they've done it to now. You know, all the stuff that used to be Satan is now Mephisto pretty much in Marvel. Um, like there's a funny part where as he's explaining this, uh, Patsy Walker says the Bible said like, but, but the Bible says, and then Satan talks about like the story of the angel Lucifer being cast out of heaven by an angry God. And I don't think that's actually in the Bible. I think that's in paradise lost, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter all that much. Basically he just kind of does your standard sort of, uh, sympathetic devil stuff where he provides a counterbalance to good. And if it wasn't there, then, you know, how could you know what ruled if you didn't have things that sucked or whatever? And he kind of also explains how, yes, he's definitely not her, uh, he's definitely not her father. That was just a ruse, but it helped return, uh, son of Satan, uh, Damon, Damon Hellstrom to Satan's control. So he appreciates that he owes her a debt and the debt <laughs> is that he teleports her or that he gives her the directions straight to her father's old ha to her father's location and so this one this comic kind of ends kind of sadly too it's like um hellcat sort of climbs in the window and identifies her dad and like says like like dad it's me patsy and the two of them like cry and hug and like feel good about themselves it's sort of ends with them having grilled cheese sandwiches and hot and milk chocolate like i don't know oh, it's oh, it's fun okay. times okay yeah it's nice it's a nice little wrap-up and makes it so that one one uh hellcat's father is not satan which is nice it's always good when your dad isn't literal actual lives in hell satan <laughs> like metaphorical satan that's gonna you know no one can help that but it's worth it for your dad to not be literal Satan. Uh-huh. And it means that, hey, uh, Hellstorm and Hellcat are no longer half-brother and sister, so they can totally do it without society frowning on their activities. <laughs> and that's important, too. I mean, I think. Obviously, if you're involved in a half-brother, half-sister relationship and don't care what society thinks, then go for it, I say. But everybody else thinks that's kind of weird. Oh. Uh. Yeah. That... Anyhow. Okay. Whatever. Just I'm gonna leave that one alone. Mm -hmm. One last interlude at the White House in Pennsylvania Avenue, where President Kyle Richmond is being uh, stared down by his guest, the Overmind, who's a great big old dude with a red beard and a big like uh, bug hat. I want to say. Yeah. A lot I'd of silver. Bug hat. Yeah, he's basically dressed all in like silver metal except for his sweet uh, forearms and biceps, which are all flesh, because, hey, man, sun's out, gun's out when you're the overmind. Yo, he knows the rules. <laughs> his arms, he's got, it's, over, it's not just his mind that's over, if you take my meaning. There's something, <laughs> I don't know, man. But let's move, let's move quickly along. Enough, enough of this talking about relationships and feelings and stuff. I've, I've had enough of it. We, we need to get, like, you know... Some, some stuff going on. Yeah. And stuff we shall in Defenders 112. Strange visitor from another planet. Finally. <laughs> uh, Demateus Scripter, Perlin Penciler, Gustavich Inker, Lefferman Letterer, Russo's Colorist, Milgram Editor and Shooter Editor-in-Chief, 
Summertime Spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at Stately uh, Avenger or Stately Defenders Brownstone instead of Avengers Mansion, where I'd say a fair amount of the def- of the current Defenders team, which includes Hank McCoy the Beast, normally of X Men fame, uh, Gargoyle, Valkyrie, and newly back the Silver Surfer, plus special guest stars the Vision and Scarlet Witch, and they're all uh, what you calls it having a big old feast. Valkyrie's using her uh, her sword Dragon Fang to slice a, 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 a honey-baked ham. It's pretty awesome. I mean, how else are you going to slice that honey-baked ham? I mean, it's a good question, especially if you've got your sword right there, you know? Uh, also, there is a, is a Vera, the uh, Beast's girlfriend. Don't worry about it too much. Okay. <laughs> but so, yeah, everybody's standing around. Everybody's partying and doing their standard thing. When suddenly, the ghostly head of Doctor Strange appears and says, Hey guys, um, this is, you know, this long distance call is, uh, take, is, is uh, taking a lot of time. I'm going to teleport you guys to this other planet where we need help, all right? And everyone's like, wait, another planet? Another reality? What are you talking about? And Doctor Strange said, uh, says, uh, come on, we're going, and teleports everybody to an alternate reality. Gargoyle again says, what in the world? Or how does he do that? Which is classic uh, Doctor, uh, Doctor Strange teleportation slash gargoyle antics. Yep. They flash in to a room full of uh, technology stuff being worked on quite determinedly by Bruce Banner. Who There's no clothes here, so he's just sort of like doing science stuff, uh, bare-chested and shoeless in his purple Hulk pants. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, as they're sort of like, hey, uh, Bruce Banner, what's up? Uh, at the same time, Nighthawk shows up to the uh, to the surprise of everybody. Like, hey, guys, still alive. And everyone's like, what? No way. What? Yeah. After quickly figuring out, hey, you know, still alive, but we got to talk about stuff. Uh, you got to meet my buddy in the bed here, Hyperion. To which, you know, um, Valkyrie freaks out because she's fought Hyperion a couple times as part of the Squadron Sinister, right? Right. But it turns out, in this case, this is the Hyperion from the Squadron Supreme. The good guy version. It's from a a second alternate reality. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, good guy Hyperion's a little thinner in the face than bad guy Hyperion. The Beast has met him uh, during some point when the Squadron Supreme was brought in to fight the Avengers for various things. It had to do with uh, some Mishigas done by evil president uh, Nelson Rockefeller from that reality. Anyhow, the thing about the Squadron Supreme, right, they're basically the Justice League, just slightly rebranded. That's all you gotta know. Hyperion Superman. You know, yep. it's the ba- yeah. it's, it's, it's all that basic stuff. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> we basically start getting the backstory um, after evil president Nelson, Nelson Rockefeller was um, overthrown by the Squadron Supreme and stuff happened, uh, Kyle Richmond was, was, uh, ran for president and sworn into office. Sort of a, this, this uh, reality values world leaders that have a, a very excellent business acumen. So obviously billionaire playboy slash Bruce Wayne equivalent Kyle Richmond was automatically uh, voted, voted into office. Sure, why not? Sure. Once there, 
he welcomed a an alien named Overmind, who said he was the last survivor of an alien of an alien race. But as those two grew grew chummy, Kyle Richmond's demeanor changed, and instead of having a new Camelot, the uh, things became he, he, things became really oppressive. People started getting uh, you know a lot of surveillance, people being sent to camps, things like that. Usual stuff, usual bad guy government stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To combat that, eventually the entire Squadron Supreme ended up moving into their uh, orbiting orbital headquarters high above the Earth, and we sort of get us. And as sort of this flashback continues, we get a good look at all of the um, members of the Squadron Supreme. You know, there's Hyperion, there's Superman, there's Doctor Spectrum, he's Green Lantern, uh, Princess Powers, uh, Wonder Woman. Lady Lark is Black Canary. Captain Hawk is Hawkman. Uh, Golden Archer is Green Arrow. Yada yep. yada blah 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 blah. Yeah. Am, 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 amphibian is uh, Aquaman. And my favorite, the Flash is now the Wizard. <laughs> it's the greatest name of all time. Oh boy. So Richmond, President Richmond, and the Overmind appear on the satellite and are like. Hey, you guys got to join us in taking over the Earth and stuff. Um, we'll take you all, you know, Overminds is, just so you know, an incredibly powerful being. He's a member of a race called the Eternals, not as the footnotes in all of these comics tell us, the, the same Eternals from Thor, that in, in a current Thor storyline, an entirely different kind of inter- Eternals. Okay. And he's basically like, look, I come from beyond the stars. I want to reconquer the galaxy. You guys are going to help me. Let's do it. And they're like, no way, man, we're good guys. We don't like to conquer things. So there's a big knockdown, dragged out fight between basically this Ursat's Justice League and Overmind. And he just rocks them pretty pretty handily. Like he he uh, catches the uh Yeah. He blasts all the kind of regular guys. He take he uh, punches um Princess Power right in the face, he redirects Lady Lark's uh, magic songs and catches the wizard as he tries to super speed around him. You know, all that stuff. In the end, the moment had arrived where Hyperion was going to try to stop him, but before he even gets a chance, uh, Richmond reveals a necklace with a piece of Argonite, the one mineral that defeats Hyperion on it. Because, you know, Superman, guys. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, Hyperion escapes finds out that on Earth, he's been branded as a commie spy, and in the end, manages to just sort of escape to a hidden to a hidden mountain base as outside of... where outside Overmind and the Squadron Supreme are swiftly conquering the entire Earth. He kind of sends... He sends out a, an interdimensional st- distress signal, and here we are, the defenders sent to uh, defy the Squadron Supreme and save this reality... As even now, on the moon, they're building a fleet of ships with which to crush the universe. Oh, dip. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I mean, not for everyone, not for other people, but yeah. for, the, for these guys, it's going to be real cool. <laughs> but with that, we jump to Defenders 113 from November 1982. So, what's... On the cover, it's like the Defenders fighting the Squadron Supreme is overmined, like, throws his hands out. 
the title on the cover says too many heroes and it's kind of true there's just a lot of characters right now yeah that uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so uh defenders 113 moon madness presenting part two of our sensas- sensational summer spectacular courtesy of jm de Mateus and don perlin script co-plotters breakdowns Mike Gustavich finishes, Shelley Lefferman letterer, George Russo's colorist, Alan Meldrum editor, Jim Shooter chief. Okay, so we cut to the moon, where Overmind and, Ky- and President Kyle Richmond are looking over their sweet new uh, moon base full of spaceships that are set to uh, conquer the galaxy. It's mostly built by superhero labor. It's pretty cool. <laughs> At the uh, at the same time, on a storage base somewhere on this moon, in this moon base, <laughs> is this dude named August Masters. All right. So remember, I was saying earlier, Drew, where Nighthawk had this girlfriend that was a powerful psychic, and a government organization was using those psychic powers to then try to destroy to uh, kill everyone in the USSR. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, August Masters, was the guy in charge of it. Oh. It appears like as the base was destroyed, he was teleported to this alternate reality. Apparently just like our our buddy Nighthawk was. Like oh. both those guys have been teleported to this new reality just as that base destroy was destroyed. Interesting. So Masters has now been driven insane, basically, I guess. Okay. By the by the vision of what America is capable of with the Soviet Union destroyed, basically. All right. So he's he's stowed away on these spaceships to the moon, and now intends to assassinate President Richmond. It's good times. Yeah, right. No, that that seems right. Okay. Seems pretty pretty reasonable, I think. Yeah. Anyhow, sure. so meanwhile, the underground base of the Squadron Supreme, all the defenders are watching Hellstrom uses Hell powers to heal Hyperion. It's a lot of H's. He's successful. <laughs> and now part two of the plan um, begins. The uh, Squadron Supreme has a teleporter, but it's sort of on the fritz. Bruce Banner's been doing most of his shirtless science at the moment to try to rebuild this teleporter. Um, it's going slow. Right. You know what can make like fixing this teleporter like 8,000 times better? What? Instead of, you know, Bruce Banner trying to fix it. Oh, the Hulk? <laughs> he gets, let's, have, let's have the Hulk have a crack at it. If he gets frustrated and the Hulk shows up? Well, that's yeah. what happens, so it's good times. <laughs> at the same time, although be, before that, uh, the Silver Surfer and the Vision both sort of both go on the uh, surfboard and head out to try to do some advanced recon on the moon base. You know, normally the Silver Surfer can't leave the, can't leave like the upper atmos- Earth's upper atmosphere because of the... Uh, of the force field put in place by Galactus, but hey, there's no Galactus to do that in this reality, buddy, so Silver Surfer can do go where he pleases. And Vision, being an android, or synthesoid, as he likes to be called, can go in space no problemo. Because, you know, he's like, d- doesn't need air to breathe and stuff. Cool. Yeah, so they're doing advanced stuff. Meanwhile, everybody else is staying home to try to fix this teleporter, even with the magic of Doctor Strange. It's not enough to fix it. Bickering starts. Bruce Banner goes Hulk. Things are looking bad. When suddenly, they're interrupted by like the fiery psychic presence of a humanoid-like like form. And hey, it's Mindy. It's uh, like the reincarnation of Mindy, one of the the, uh, the paralyzed lady as a powerful psychic that Kyle Richmond was dating when the old 
facility blew up. It's good times. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. It looks like when um, this sort of hive, the hive mind of this powerful of these powerful psychics has created sort of a union that is like a, a psychic force of like six in, intelligences, all powerful telepaths. The main one is this Mindy lady, which is how Nighthawk instantly recognizes them. And it looks like they're responsible for also saving Nighthawk at the last minute by teleporting to him to an alternate dimension. Got it? Yeah. It seems yeah. pretty simple. Yeah, sure. As, as these things go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, she apparently says, like, I'm here to help you guys because we know you have, because we, we need you to stop the plan that evil Kyle Richmond has on the moon, and you defenders are the only ones that, that can defeat him. Um, meanwhile, on the moon, which I always like to say, meanwhile, on the moon. Nice. Silver Surfer and Vision have arrived. They start to try to do some recon, but instead they run afoul of these Squadron Supreme members, Nuke and Dr. Spectrum. I forget who Nuke is supposed to be, but uh, Dr. Spectrum's definitely the Green Lantern. Yep. Let's see. Who's Nuke supposed to be? Uh, they aren't going to say who he's supposed to be on the on the uh, wiki page. Just forget it. But it's fight time, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Lantern, you know, uh, uh, Vision and Silver Surfer take these guys out pretty effectively, but things start to look bad when the entire Squadron Supreme shows up. Though things quickly even out as suddenly then uh, Mindy, the energy being, I guess, has uh, teleports the entire Defenders team aboard the space station, and now it's just ultra fight time. Everybody's fighting everybody. Um, Valkyrie fights Power Princess, which is pretty good, just in terms of the two ladies squaring off. Uh, Ha uh, Captain Hawk fights Nighthawk, which is also pretty good, just in terms of being a bird battle, I guess. Um, okay. Yeah, it's good. Um, there's a pretty funny moment where, um, Amphibian starts fighting Namor, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna toss you in this water, because I'm unbeatable in water, and Namor's like, dude, like... You're a copy of Aquaman, who's a copy of me. So I think we know who's going to win this particular Xerox battle. <laughs> um, things are going moderate until, and uh, the defenders pre are pretty much winning until Overmind shows up and starts fighting everybody. Like we see his display of power as Hyperion and the Hulk punch him in the face at the exact same time to no effect, which is bad times. Before this fight can really heat up, though, uh, Masters, the guy we were talking about earlier, who's from our Earth and is driven insane and stuff, uh, manages to make it through the base and shoots President Kyle Richmond right between the eyes, killing him. So President Richmond's dead, and as he dies, Overmind stops being able to fight. He, crawl he falls to the floor and curls up in the fetal position. So, battle won, right, Drew? Yeah, sure. Yes? I'm going to go with yes? No. Oh. Instead, giant black tentacles shoot out of the chest of Kyle Richmond, of President Kyle Richmond. What? Suddenly, a huge mass, a huge black mass comes forth from inside his chest, and we're at last confronted by the true villain the whole time. No, the living darkness. Okay. Yeah, Null's pretty awesome, man. He's just a big blob of, um, he's a big black mass with, like, 
uh, covered in red eyes and black tentacles. Like, I'm in favor of him. Null's pretty crazy. Sure. <laughs> We've actually seen pieces of Null. He wasn't on the podcast because it wasn't a Doctor Strange episode of the, uh, of the Defenders, but he's shown up once or twice um, as, like, a weird antagonist of Gargoyle when there were some Gargoyle solo adventures. And he's also, like, fought... Um, He's also fought Ghost Rider once or twice. He's got kind of a of a weird pedigree, essentially. Okay. But he's a I mean, he's a big black monster. He's got a whole bunch of superpowers. A demonic entity craves wants to conquer the galaxy. Usual stuff. Right. Big black blobby monster tentacles. Got it. Yep. Yeah, you don't need to know that much about him. Eh. Basically, <laughs> um, he's being opposed by the. Uh, Combined by this hive mind of psychics, essentially. So, you know, Doctor Strange and the hive mind of psychics put up a psychic barrier, as you do, um, and they, and a couple of members of the of the team try to take the, Null, the Living Darkness, on one-on-one. It doesn't go very well. Like, Silver Surfer tries to do it. It's no good. Uh, Namor, like... A couple of the heavies from the uh, from the Defenders and Squadron Supreme, like Namor, Hulk, Power Princess, Golden Arrow, all those guys, or Golden Archer, try to take him down. It's no effect. The Psychic Hive Mind, and that's where we get the opening thing as um, as Nuke asks Hyperion what's going on. Hyperion has a lot of trouble explaining how this all works. Um, <laughs> um, Mindy, who I'm going to call this psychic hive mind lady, um, she says everybody has to has to join their minds together in a psychic gestalt, and that's going to be what it takes to take down uh, Null. While initially resistance to resistance to the idea, eventually everybody agrees, and suddenly they become a big, huge, glowing monster thing. That um, man, it like fights back and forth with Null. They have a lot of stuff. Um, eventually. The but 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 eventually the hive mind ends up um, harnessing the power of the overmind, who I don't think I've explained previously. But basically, the overmind is the last member of his race, of his alien race, and all the consciousness of all the of all the members of his race that have ever lived were incarnate inside his mind. So he had a, he was incredibly it made him an incredibly powerful psychic. Uh-huh. So by also harnessing control of that, Mindy's able to counteract the power of Null, sends it all flying in this huge comet full of the faces of various superheroes and stuff. <coughs> it flies down deep into the heart of Null, the living darkness, and in the end, destroys it. Eventually, the whole thing gets absorbed into the chest of the body of Overmind, who then wakes up and basically says, hey, uh, it's me, Mindy, and the rest of the six psychic hive mind people. We've taken control of Overmind's body. His mind was burnt out years ago, and now we're the last members of... Um, and, and now we live in the Overmind body. Now we're Overmind. Good times. As, they, as they're sort of explaining this, um, August Masters, the guy who killed President Kyle Richmond, is, um, has found the president's body and is sort of checking it out. And as he does, the body sort of disintegrates into... Something weird, he's sort of a bioorganic entity that's not human at all. Right. As he does this, and he's freaking out about it, Nighthawk also goes to check it out and has a full-on, uh, no kind of moment. 
Or I guess Overmind actually does the no, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Richmond has a freak out as he finds out that actually, or as he, as walls of false memories within his brain fall away, and he remembers that actually he's not the Nighthawk of the Defenders. He's Nighthawk of the Squadron Supreme. He's actually President Kyle Richmond. What? Dun dun dun. Once more. A lot of dun dun does this um this episode. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> and with that, we go to finish things up. Kyle, um, we go to Defenders 115 from January 1983. A very wrong turn. J.M. DeMatteis script. Don Perlin pencils. Hilary Barda inks. Shelley Lefferman letterer. George Russo's colorist. Al Milgram editor. Jim Shooter editor in chief. So Kyle Richmond's asking the question that so many of us ask all the time, namely, uh, who am I? And unlike the rest of us, he actually gets an answer. Uh, Overmind explains that when, uh, the, when no, the living darkness arrived, basically he replaced, um, Kyle Rich, the, uh, president Kyle Richmond with his sort of alien clone and, the real Kyle Richmond had been sort of sitting in a coma for the last couple months. But so when it came time for Mindy and the rest of the Psychic Hive Mind to take down All the Living Darkness and some of the rest of the Defenders, they grafted the memories of our Defender Kyle Richmond onto President Kyle Richmond. Yeah. <clears throat> so now this Nighthawk, this uh, is sort of a combo of those two Kyle Richmonds, essentially. Um, Overmind sort of Ex- sort of cries as he ex- as he explains this, and it's kind of funny because he's got this kind of I'd say female comic book relations t- or reactions to this situation, and it's funny because he's a big bearded guy, I guess. <laughs> but in the end, with everything they explained, the defenders are ready to go back home now that no living darkness has been destroyed. Um, Overmind comes with them because he doesn't want to stay in this world anymore. Kyle Richmond, meanwhile is tired of all these jerks and is going to stay in the alternate reality, in the squadron supreme reality. So that's the end of Nighthawk as our guys teleport back to earth as they do. A cockroach gets lost in or is lost in the machine that's teleporting them and causes something to short for a second, which means that when the team arrives, four members don't make it. Namor, beast, Valkyrie and gargoyle. Instead, they're lost lost in some crazy Alice in Wonderland, Dr. Seuss-type reality, which is pretty crazy. The Dr. Seuss reality is full of, like, you know, Muppet-looking guys who talk in Comic Sans font. There's, like, big, um, big, like, carrots and other kind of crazy things. It's all, like, all the locations are here or there. They have to talk in funny Dr. Seuss cadence, essentially. And it turns out that... The four members of the Defenders, Namor, Valkyrie, Beast, and Gargoyle, are the prophesized they, (laughs) the heroes that would be sent to free the people of this ridiculous reality. Um, Most of the the teams having a lot of fun with this. They're sort of laughing around. This is a silly reality, and they're having a silly time in it. Namor is not amused and constantly fights back against everything. To be fair, Namor is not amused by a whole lot of things. It's true, and this is a place specifically to be amusing. So basically, I'm going to sum this story up pretty quick. Uh, They have a bunch of trials and tribulations. 
throughout it all, Namor complains that everything's real dumb, and everybody else laughs behind their hands at Namor. It's pretty funny on its on its own. But there's an important interlude, Drew. Yes. Luann Bloom, Kyle Richmond's nurse, who will remember previously storming out of Kyle of Richmond's lawyer's office, saying she's going to get answers, is now wandering the streets of New York. And as she does, she's confronted by an elf. Dun dun dun. An elf? Is that is that it? Yeah, that's right. Just just an elf. Yeah, no gun this time. So so we're talking about the elf with the gun now. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Namor. In the end, they defeat uh, these four defenders. Defeat the e- de- defeat evil, and Namor finally agrees to put on the ruby sneakers and say the classic rhyme. There's no place like the place I came before I came here. Classic. And the four members of the team are teleported to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Good times. It was all a dream until Namor looks down and sees some sweet ruby ruby sneakers on his feet. (laughs) Dude, those shoes are sweet looking. I mean, they're really helped along by Namor's own ankle wings, you know? Yeah. But they're pretty good. <laughs> Anyhow, all's well that ends well, and this mission is done. This episode or this story is dedicated to Dr. Seuss, which I always appreciate. And with that, oh man, Drew, we're at the halfway point of this comic or of this episode. Awesome. <laughs> We've finished this ridiculous overmind arc with the Squadron Supreme and stuff. We're gonna spend half of the like so we'll come back quickly in our next half, where half the episode's gonna be de- uh, defender stuff as everybody sort of deconstructs from this episode and kind of continues to learn some more about themselves. We're going to get some more good life lessons like we had in the first part of this episode. And then we'll delve into uh, in an uh, awesome Marvel event that's going on at the same time as these issues. The three-part Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions where we'll see Doctor Strange, but he'll be obscured by the giant hair of uh, superhero Sombra. It's going to be pretty funny. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys after the break. We are Stranger by the Dozen. 